Paul's confused between net income, profit, cash flow, and SDE. And we're going to straighten them out right now. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the broadcast podcast YouTube channel where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things. I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like. Be sure to hit subscribe and let's get to it. All right. So I got a, an email question in from Paul. Let me read it to you. He says, I'm sure that you have covered this in different videos, but many times I've struggled with understanding the difference between cash flow, net profit, and how a seller's discretionary earnings are or aren't part of that. I would like to see a very simple explanation video that makes these terms easy to understand and relate to. I'm afraid my accounting skill is limited to second grade math addition and subtraction, just a thought. Thanks, Paul. Well, good news, Paul. We're not gonna do anything more than addition and subtraction here today. Um, I've created a very simple little um, tutorial that we're gonna use, and uh, I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna try to be as descriptive as I can for the people that just listen to the audio feed. So let me share my screen, and we'll start off here. I'll zoom in. So we've got a company with sales of a million dollars and cost of sales of 250,000, which leaves a gross profit of 750. So cost of sales is just our direct costs. This is the cost of the stuff that we package up and deliver to our customers. So anything that's directly related to the number of things we sell ends up in the cost of sales or cost of goods sold, sometimes abbreviated COGS. So that's our gross profit. And then we have our overhead expenses, rent, telephone, that kind of thing, utilities, insurance, all the stuff you got to pay no matter what. Um, and we have some wages. We got employees, another 300 grand. And we have an owner's salary. And I put fair market value because we're, we're going to assume here that the owner is paying themselves exactly what a manager who would be a hired person would be earning in this case. And then we have an interest expense of 2410. Now, this, if you look down below, you'll see that I've got details on a loan. So there's a $50,000 loan with payments of 63.63 a year. Um, it shows the end balance so that we can figure out the principal and the interest on this loan. So the interest expense is 2410. And then we have depreciation of $8,000. And depreciation is how accountants calculate or demonstrate the wearing out of our equipment and machinery and stuff like that. And then we come to a net profit. So once we have our gross profit, we subtract all these things we get a net profit of 114,000. And then I made an assumption here that taxes would be a 25% tax rate. Um, and this would be 28,000 leaving a net earnings or an after-tax profit of 85,942. So, so this is something like you would see from your accountant uh, getting ready at the end of the year, um, showing what the earnings of your business had been. And so in this case, we know we did a million in sales and we ended up with after-tax earnings of 85,000, almost $86,000. So let's expand this to, to address the first of Paul's questions, which was about cash flow. So for those of you who've been around the channel for a while, 
and who've been looking at this kind of thing before, you'll realize that some of the things on that income statement or that P&L statement were not actually cash expenses, even though we were allowed to use them as expenses in order to, to lower our profit and reduce our tax bill, right? So let me, let me zoom in on this one. So in this one, we've got our cash flow. We start by taking our net earnings of 85,942, and then we're gonna go through and we're gonna adjust it for everything that isn't actually a cash expense that we have to write a check for. So our depreciation was not a cash expense. You don't write a check for your depreciation. This again is equipment wearing out. So we didn't really have this money leave our organization. So it doesn't affect our cash flow. So we actually get to add that back to the net earnings to represent money that would still be in our hand. However, there were other things that we did that caused cash to leave the business that are not apparent on the income statement. For example, the debt repayment. So we recognize the interest portion of our payments because that's an expense, but the principal portion of the payment, that's still money that leaves the business to go to the bank to repay the loan, but it's not represented as part of our net income but it is a drain on our cash. So it's expressed here as a negative 39.53. And you'll see that's down here in the principal change on my little loan calculation area. So there are a bunch of other things here that I have noted with no numbers because things that happen on the balance sheet are going to affect our cash position, our cash flow. So amortization, if we had some here in this business would be added back as well. But also if our inventory went up, that would cause our cash to go down. If our receivables went up, that would cause our cash to go down. If our payables went up, that would cause our cash to go up because we would have more of our supplier's money in our business. And so if you have a set of financial statements prepared by an accountant and the business is big enough, often you will get your income statement or P&L if you're in the States, you'll have a balance sheet and then you may also have a statement of cash flows or a cash flow statement. And what that statement is, is it simply reconciles all the actions on the income statement and the balance sheet that affect the cash account so that you can see the coming and going of the money. So we also have financing activities. And so the repayment of that loan is an example of the financing activity affecting cash flow. If we had taken a new loan, then that maybe we took a new loan for 10 grand. That would cause our cash position to go up by 10 grand, um, even though you know borrowing money is not income. It's not revenue. It's a non-tax event, which means it's not on the income statement. And then, of course, the other thing that can affect cash flows is our equity section of our balance sheet. So if we issued a dividend to shareholders or if we asked the shareholders to put in more money, then that would have an impact on, uh, on the cash flow as well. So in this case, we have net earnings in our business of 85.9, and we have a net cash flow of 89.9. So this business's cash flow is actually higher than the net earnings. And you can see how they're kind of related because the cash flow begins with the net earnings, but then the cash flow gets adjusted by all these other things. So let's move on to the next part of the question, which is what we start looking at when we're looking at buying a business. 
So the first thing we're going to look at is the EBITDA. So the EBITDA uh, stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So that's pretty easy. Right in the acronym, um, it tells us the formula for making this adjustment. So I start off with my net earnings, which again is 85,942. And then I add back what I paid in interest, which is uh, 2410. And then we add back what we paid in taxes, which is 28,6. And then we added that depreciation, which is 8,000. And we didn't have any amortization. So our EBITDA is $125,000. Now, if you've watched some of my other videos since Christmas, you'll know that I had a video uh, where I talked about EBITDA um, with respect to comments made by Warren Buffett. And it came up again in a few other videos where I talked about how EBITDA is not cash flow. And you can see right here, I'm showing you right beside each other, that the EBITDA says 125,000, but the cash flow says 89.9. And so this is the big warning is that a lot of the times people will look at that EBITDA number and they will feel that this is the cash flow that I enjoy as an investor in this business. I'm going to somehow get that EBITDA money. You never do. Because part of the things that we're adding back, you can see, are not um, true non-cash things. Like the depreciation is a non-cash expense, but the taxes are real. If you're going to have profits, you're going to pay taxes. And your interest is real. Now, why... Do business buyers look at EBITDA, for example? It's because the taxes and interest that you face as a buyer are going to be different than what the seller is, is facing right now. Because you could have more or less debts at a higher or lower interest rate. And depending on how you run the business and how you manage things, you have a certain degree of control over your taxes. This is why we look at EBITDA, because we're getting back to a level of cash flow that we can then take the number and then we can start to adjust it for our own purposes as a buyer and say, what will our financing cost be? What will our total debt service be? What will our interest be? What will our depreciation be? And then you figure all of that out when you're doing your calculation. Now, for smaller businesses that are typically owner run, You'll notice if you're out there looking to buy a business that we're, we don't typically look at EBITDA. We look at another measure of cash flow. I'm going to zoom in here again, which is the seller's discretionary earnings, which now that we've done the work for EBITDA is super easy because all we do is we take the EBITDA and we add back the owner's salary. And again, this is a fair market value because sometimes on a, in a business, the owner will not be paying themselves a fair market value. We need to make further adjustments. But for the case of this simplistic solution uh, a de demonstration, we're going to say that this is a fair market salary. So we've got our EBITDA of 125,000. We then add back the owner's salary of 100, and we get an SDE of 225. So the idea behind seller's discretionary earnings is that the this is the money available to an owner operator that works full time, and then there's a giant caveat which I always try to say if I remember, but this is what people forget because sometimes you will see SDE indicated as owner's cash flow, and it is the furthest thing from cash flow that you can imagine. As we were demonstrating here, our actual cash flow in this case is 89, and over here we have 225. They're very different numbers, right? Again, the and analyzing the current financial statements, 
has to do with the current owner and the way they're running the business, what you're going to do is going to be different. So when we look at that seller's discretionary earnings number, the caveat is from that figure, you must service your debt, take home enough money to live, get a return on the cash you put into the deal, and take care of any kind of equipment replacement, new capital expenditures, because we've taken those things out. Oh, and you have to pay your taxes. Did I forget that one? Right, you gotta pay your taxes. So feed your family, pay taxes, service the debt you took on to buy the business, get a return on your own money and take care of any capital investments that are required in the business out of the 225. So Paul, I hope this helps. I hope it makes it uh, clearer. I know that probably there are a lot of other people out there who uh, have been confused or stumbled over this stuff. But again, if you see somebody advertising a business with a cash flow of X, in all likelihood, they really mean seller's discretionary earnings. And if you happen to be over in the UK, um, they will say adjusted EBITDA and what they mean is seller's discretionary earnings. So again, depending on where you are in the world, the market, there's different terminology uh, that may be applied to some of this stuff. And that's why it's really important that when you look at a business and you're given some of these things that have been calculated for you, you smile, you nod, you accept the information, but then you need to repeat the calculation that they've done just to ensure that you know what has gone into the number that they're providing. Because um, I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, especially when the SDE number is entirely you know, based upon forecasted numbers instead of the actual performance. Anyway, if, um, if you're interested in uh, learning about buying a business and how to do the analysis of, of this kind of stuff, there's two things that you might wanna try. Head over to Business Buyer Advantage where you can learn about the different online courses and services I have for business buyers. Um, and if you really wanna sharpen up your pencil and learn how to do some real analytical skills with respect to forecasting cash flow and making business plans to make sure a deal is going to work for you, then head over to bizplanschool.com and there you can find my cash flow financing and business plan writing program. And with that, I'll say see you later and uh, we'll see you next time. Hope you're having a great summer. Cheers. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me, learn how I work with my clients. You can learn about my books, courses that I prepared for you. You can also find out all about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest.